Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Gag, a spoop cast where I, a gay, anxious gremlin, discuss some scary movies and childhood trauma with my goriest gal pals to figure out why we're like this. Um, probably because it's my brand, scary movies and horror, I guess. Do you have a brand? Oh, I actually do have a brand of, uh, I said this to my therapist last week. She Wonderful. said, are you scared often? And I said, it's my brand. Yeah, scared often is my brand. took yeah. a note. So as you might have heard, I have a super special guest. Uh, she is an actress, a singer, an improviser. She is the zinger queen of the mid-Atlantic Northwest. <laughs> I wish that she could, uh, I wish that I could pay her to write all my tweets, but um, that is only for rich celebrities like Carolyn Calloway. Shut up, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know her, you love her, and if you don't, you're about to. It's uh, Rebecca Bellinger. Hi! Hello! Hi, how are you? Doing great. I'm so glad you're here to talk to me about a fuck of a movie. Oh my god, <laughs> we're gonna dive right yeah, in. Yeah, we're gonna dive in. We get blue here on the on the gag, I suppose, because I already said the fuck word. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm such an angel lord. So what, uh, what turned you gay this week? What turned me gay this yeah, week? Yeah, as we know, our... our Queen um, and PhD in human sexuality, Miley Cyrus, says it's a choice now. Oh. I thought her PhD was in dating hunky Australians, but apparently she said, you don't have to be gay. Um, so yeah, what made you choose to be gay this what? week? Okay, I mean, if Miley Cyrus said I could choose, mm. I would have to say that uh, last night I actually fell down a little bit of a rabbit hole, uh, stalking and learning what I could about Kate McKinnon. Mm, very gay. I love her. She's so great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Have you seen her on, there's like this new, I don't know if it's new, on Net, on Netflix, it's a new eat, like uh, cooking, eating show called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. I have not heard of this. And it's the, the chef who does Ugly Delicious. Name is escaping me. Oh, no. But he like travels to these different places in the world, and he like brings a celebrity with him, and they try a bunch of food, and he did this one with Kate McKinnon. And it was like my first time seeing her not performing and uh, just being just being her just weird being her. old self. And I'm like, oh, she's, my God. Yeah. I mean, she's a queen of, of improv and just making the simplest thing so <laughs> wildly funny. hilarious. Yep. I'm glad she made you gay. Um, what turned me gay this week? I was watching a literal supercut of all of Archie's shirtless moments in Riverdale. Stop it. Because I am a monster. <laughs> Uh, no, you're only human. You know what? Someone went through the... It exists. And someone went through the trouble of putting it together on YouTube. And, and I am grateful. A saint. I'm grateful to this person, Saintly honestly. Because I can't watch the... Sh I, I watched the show, but I'm like, okay, these sexy teens are too ridiculous. She is in high school and running two businesses. How do... Right. They they've Girl. lost they've lost rules. <laughs> they that really, I loved that show <laughs> I until love maybe the Riverdale. third season it's when then like, it was like. Know, I might jump back into it, but for now I'm uh, I'm just gonna have to get my shirtless Archie fix from the internet, which is more than happy to provide. Apparently, that's why we watch it anyway. So yeah. you might as well just yeah. get right to the. Now um, onto the anxious part. What made you anxious? This oh week? shit. Would you mind talking to me about yeah. what made you anxious this week? What made me anxious? Probably trying to get here. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that wasn't you. Oh it wasn't my god, you. you live in a different state than me. That wasn't it. It was more of like, I thought my phone had enough battery to make it here, and then it died on the way, and oh I didn't have my direction, so I had to drive around blindly until I found a Starbucks or a McDonald's to charge my phone, and that then I got like here. a journey of yeah. self-discovery. Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Glad but, you went on it. But I survived, and I made <laughs> I'm it. I'm glad you did that, too. What made you anxious this week? Oh, gosh. Wondering if uh, I was actually endearing enough to make a podcast. I You are! I, I was like, mm, am I even good enough to have imposter syndrome? Probably not. That's a, that's <laughs> that a goddamn reductress. I saw that, I? and I'm like, oh, my God, I feel this way all the time. Uh, well, I thought, like, I'm like, Fuck I didn't me. know I could be scared of that. Now I have another question right. to ask. Now I'm anxious again. Um, yeah, I just, I just, you know, this is my wheelhouse, scary movies. And, and I was like, do I have enough really cool people that want to talk to me about this? And I'm so excited that the answer is yes. Several people have already said, yes. of course I want to talk to you about scary movies. Um, 
I, I honestly don't know why, because I will talk your ear off if you don't stop me. People want to. Um, do yeah. what are do you have other like movies lined up? So many. I'm really excited. Good. Another thing that made me anxious, or rather, something that made me gag, mm-hmm. since that's the name of the show, and I gotta work that in there somewhere. Um, I saw <laughs> the movie uh, Pieces with a few friends. Um, what is that about? Pieces is a movie from 1982, in which. A serial killer stalks um, nubile, they say that in the liner notes, nubile young co-eds are <laughs> slaughtered by a masked murderer with a chainsaw. Um, they, they, they call them nubile because that apparently uh, is code for they're naked all the time. Um, the This film is insane. It is, it's got a kung fu professor. Okay. A cop who is also a tennis champion. Classic. Who quit tennis so that she could become the, apparently the only lady cop in Boston because there's no one else, they said. They said there's no one else that can solve this murder. Groundbreaking. Right. Um, and so she goes undercover as the tennis professor. I'm like, she's like a world famous. That's like Serena Williams coming to college and being like, <laughs> what? I'm just, I'm just here to teach tennis. I'm, I'm not here for anything other. I, I very publicly quit sports and become a cop, but I'm just here to teach tennis. So, like, <laughs> this movie is just one of those, like, bonkers, insane movies that is just always fun to revisit. I so you're truly... saying it's insane because you're just like, none of this really makes sense? But or... you don't care. But you, you let it go. I love it. It's N- like this guy Riverdale. Has ch- this guy is amazing, is able to sneak a chainsaw into a shower. Like, I don't know Whoa. how physics work in this film it's truly it truly baffles me so much suspension of disbelief <laughs> did you watch anything else this week i have been re-watching jane the virgin Wonderful. have you watched that no no oh, it's good if you just want a great it's wholesome it's it's wholesome it's wholesome but it's just you get a good cry and then also bob's burgers like whenever bob's burgers comes out with a new episode who doesn't love that um but you also watched a movie this week for us to talk about we did i'm so glad you chose one that no one else knows about um <laughs> i know it's definitely uh from the uh what's You're, the word it's the hipster the, yeah really alternative. yeah that that's stanley kubrick he's doing some great things we are talking about 1980s the shining maybe you've heard of it uh is it your least favorite movie now no, no? i wouldn't say so really because it is stephen king's apparently like he <laughs> hated this right. movie he called it like a beautiful cadillac without an engine huh yeah i mean i can see that i can see that where it the pacing is it is maybe slower i don't i haven't read the book mm-hmm. and and like to let everybody else listening know i actually don't know much about horror films or the genre really okay. at all i do yeah yeah Apparently, I know a lot. I'm um, going to get a lesson. You might. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry if it sounds like a lecture. No. Uh, he, yeah, he's made his disapproval with the film staggeringly clear. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that as soon as you see Jack Nicholson, he's quote unquote, as crazy as a shit house rat. <laughs> All he does is get crazier. Um and, and King says how in the book he starts out as a guy who uh, is struggling with his sanity and, and finally loses it. Um, but in the movie, there's no tragedy because, as he says, there's no real change. There's really no loss of a healthy marriage or, or like, a yeah. good man. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'm on board with that statement. I mean, it's his book, so he's, of course you know, gonna feel right. how he feels. It's his darling. It is. And and the movie was made only three years after. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds like a long time now that, you know, Gone Girl was like a movie before it was a book. And <laughs> I don't really know how that works. But yeah, it was immediately optioned for a film. And Stanley Kubrick had already done um, Clockwork Orange mm-hmm. and uh, in 2001 A Space Odyssey. So he was like, he was so hot um, to do this movie. And King only met Kubrick once and said he seemed like he was not all the way there. He seemed like he was inside himself. And... I feel like if I wanted somebody to direct a movie, though, of this of this kind of story, I would want somebody who isn't fully there to do it. I mean... 
I don't know. Go <laughs> he ahead, said, carry on. He called the movie cold, and I'm like, well, it's yeah, it was snowing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's weather, bitch. But um, <laughs> he said it's like, uh, look at these ants on this anthill. It's like you're seeing them through a window. And I do get that read because it, there is so much of a sense of voyeurism to this movie. You're mm-hmm. following these people around. Um very closely but you're still cut off from them they are they are so isolated yeah um location 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 that's what most people start with when they talk about this movie is how it was shot um it's shot in a way that's very disorienting it's shot in a way that is very isolating they make sure you know you are in the mountains of colorado Mm -hmm. and there's like from the get go and this uh and there's a lot of there's a lot of space between you and the rest of civilization um, I think what's also interesting is the way that it's shot. Like, you, you are also isolated from the characters, as you were saying, like, the ant on the hill of just, like, even though you have even these, like, close-up shots, you never actually fully feel like you're there because you are so disoriented of, like, I don't know where we're at. And there's something there that you, you don't fully where, click in. You don't in even know what time it is because... Yes! <laughs> or what day of the week! You don't know because it's, because it's, uh, it's the... They, they have these title cards, and it's the interview, and then it's the first day, and then suddenly it's Tuesday, and then it's Saturday, and then it's Wednesday, and then it's 4 p.m., and you're like, what? <laughs> there are no rules. Day is it? Yep. What year is it? What time is it? I am Robin Williams and Jumanji confused. <laughs> I am so lost, and it's, of course, that's on purpose. Um, there are people that will say that nothing in this movie, nothing was not deliberate. Um... Mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick was apparently a meticulous, micromanaging bastard of a director mm-hmm. who everyone was like, okay, he's a genius. We'll just, I guess, deal with the fact that he's damn near impossible Ugh. to work with. I hate it. Um, but yeah, he, 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 King says that he thinks that Kubrick is a very talented filmmaker and he loves Dr. Strangelove. Like, who doesn't? But, mm-hmm. uh, does not approve of this version of the film, clearly. He also doesn't approve of the character of Wendy, and that's something I want to talk about because I love Wendy. Right? I love her. And I love Shelley Duvall as Wendy. It is... is King King told her... uh, has said that she is the most misogynistic character ever in the movie. Put, put on film. He, I, he, okay. He was like, that's not the woman I wrote. Um, are, are you familiar with the woman that he wrote? I know that you said that you read the book like... So, I read the book when I was like too young to even understand it. And you weren't honestly, I haven't... No, I wasn't. I was like, ooh, Google Gobble, read drum. I'm so excited to read The Shining. Um, read drum. <laughs> whatever. I, <laughs> I also haven't seen this film in 10 years, mm-hmm. at least. Right. Um, what I have seen is... Room 237, mm-hmm. a documentary in which, you know, some of the wildest interpretations Insane. available are offered for this movie. You've seen most 237? of it. Okay. Most of it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's bonkers. We think that millennials are like, we have the grasp on, on conspiracy theories because, you know, we're all being watched by the FBI. They're listening right now. Say hi. Hello. But, yeah, you cannot touch boomers when it comes to real reaches nah, man. of conspiracy theories. What was your favorite? Uh, my favorite conspiracy theory? Mm, yeah. I think my favorite conspiracy theorist on that show is the guy who said that he quote-unquote nailed, nailed how the, uh, <laughs> the moon landing was fake and was filmed by this director. I'm like, girl, it's a sweater. It's not that deep. <laughs> right? It's, oh my god. Yeah, he was the... just like, oh, because of the foreground. And you compare, like, he has, like, the two images side by side. And they, like, see how these things, and I'm like, I'm not seeing it at all. And I love that in the documentary, like, sometimes they'll highlight what they're talking about, but other times they don't. And I'm pretty sure it's because the documentary people don't even see it themselves. Yes, the documentary a filmmaker has said, like, I honestly don't agree with a single one of these people really but i really enjoy talking to them Absolutely. and i agree and i'd love to go through all of them but honestly it's a treat to to be surprised by some of them yes. it's wild mm-hmm. um but i do want to go back to what made me gayer while watching this film yes and um definitely shelly duvall's performance because she's <sighs> she's serving she drama is. the whole time and that that connection to breath my yeah, god 
I would love to uh, stop doing a horror movie podcast right now and do a Shelley Duvall fan cast for do a it. second because she had two breakout roles the year this film came out. This film and mm-hmm. then Olive Oil. Right. In Popeye, which my father adamantly demands Robin Williams was cheated out of an Oscar for. I, I love think it. That, I think that's the hill he's chosen to die on. You know um, what? That's a good hill. I hope, yeah. But I think she's also, like, she was born to play that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was pretty much psychologically tortured through the entire filming process. Really? Kubrick wanted his actors to give a real performance, so he legitimately, like, antagonized Jack Nicholson as often as he could to make him angry and would purposefully isolate and and give Shelley Duvall the cold shoulder until she felt like she didn't have a single friend in the room. She, apparent legend has it that she came up to Kubrick at the end of filming with clumps of hair that had fallen out due to the way he psychologically tortured her. Can... Can I just make a blanket statement that, like, method acting, can we just throw that out the fucking window? And it's... Just act! Just act. And ask your... Like, sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I mean, it's... You have a strong feeling. That's the I'm gonna die on. Absolutely. No to method acting. I don't care how much of a genius this director is. You don't need to torture your actors for art. That's not cool. That's not safe. What, like, can we talk about the parallel of that kind of broody, like, you don't understand me and I have to make you, like, uncomfortable and feel awful um, for the sake of my art and mm. how that parallels Jack in this fucking movie. Jack is immediately, I will agree with Stephen King that he's immediately dislikable. It's the eyebrows. Every, it's, you know, it could just be the eyebrows. He, he doesn't come off as likable at all in this movie and everyone does like to point to his performance uh as the scariest thing about this movie which i i would agree that his performance is terrifying and is a classic performance but i think that kubrick and and nicholson's uh role in this film has been interpreted uh to literally in its own documentary Mm -hmm. yeah um i I still want to sh- stand Shelley Duvall, though. Yes, because please. Get back, getting back on topic. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, because she, after doing this, she got into producing children's television and mm. actually started a series of fairy tale theater mm-hmm. um, in the 80s. And it, later in the 80s also did a young adult version of Tall Tales and Legends. And that was the bulk of, of her post shining uh, career in the 80s she was featured in several of the films of Robert Altman and then retired from acting I believe in 2002 but was recently interviewed by Dr. Phil and it was a very uncomfortable situation Mm -hmm. because it really did seem like she was struggling and he was he was exploiting it he for for clicks yeah and there's such a history of actresses of celebrities struggling with their mental health, mm-hmm. particularly when they are actresses over fifty. Carrie mm-hmm. Fisher comes to mind. Margot Kidder comes to mind. Uh-huh. When the public really does um, devour that kind of uh, struggle as a as a commodity rather than as a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's also like that. I don't think that, because I've seen that clip of Shelley Duvall with Dr. Phil, but I think that there is a trope that maybe she doesn't fit into so much on in this particular um, moment, but I think that there's also this kind of, like, it's almost like a shaming of vanity of, like, women once they age, like, yeah, they there don't aren't, get to, there aren't Hollywood, roles for they don't them. Get to, they don't get to do that. Yeah. Only Meryl. Only Meryl can age. Everyone else has to stop. Yeah. You're seeing it with, you know, you saw it with Renee Zellweger. Now she's having her come back as Judy, but, like, yeah. two years ago... My, my thumb just broke. Um, <laughs> two years ago, people were like, her face changed and I have feelings about it. I'm when like, people okay, are like, fine. What happened? Why? It's like, why are we time. talking about this? <laughs> yep. Yep. We gotta. I love Renee Zellweger. I love Shelley Duvall. I love. And that's I the hill wanna... you're gonna die on. It is. I'm gonna go find Shelley Duvall and give her a hug and then die on that hill. Can you imagine going from. I, I like, The Shining and Popeye would probably be like some of the biggest films that she's. Yeah, that in Nashville. I'm sure someone's okay. going to come after me and be like, what about this? I'm, I'm sure she was great in it. 
<laughs> Calm down. Um, but, like, think about that one year of, like, going from doing The Shining and then, like, jumping onto the Popeye set mm-hmm. and just, like, that breath of fresh air. Of not having to be tortured by Stanley Kubrick Right, anymore. I can imagine of just, like, oh. Because, honestly, fuck him for, right. that, for that. Right, but, Hitchcock like. Hitchcock has, a, has yes. his stories of fuck doing that, that. Like, I don't care how much of a genius you are, director, actor, otherwise. Uh, you don't torture your you, you don't torture the people you work with so that your art gets better. That's not how you do art. That's not good art. That's that's harmful. It's so harmful. I mean, Jared Leto sent used condoms to his co-stars on The Suicide Squad. And, and people were like, oh my god, he's so edgy. He's getting so into character playing the Joker. And I didn't know that. I, oh, that makes me so mad. I was like, so wait, mad. that's assault. Yes. Not art right i hope we i hope we write that down in the history books as not acting that is harmful right uh just act just do it i mean i mean if you have honest and open communication you're gonna get a better product there were scenes in this movie where it felt like shelly duvall yeah yeah sorry no we're good where it seemed like she hadn't had a night's sleep or a good meal. I I felt like she truly was being tortured and not allowed to simply act. Do her work. And that is the job of an actor. And I right. don't understand why directors felt they had to do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a problem for me as someone who really does love these films, but also recognizes that these directors were misogynist dicks. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. But I mean, also, like, it, the fact that we even still kind of, like, see, like, worship that, like, if it's authentic and, like, they're genuinely being hurt. Because, I mean, look at that with, like, Nicole Kidman and Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. Big Little Lies? Is that it? Uh, yeah. This TV show? Yes. yes. Oh, uh, on HBO. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, um, is it, Meryl in it? <laughs> Yeah, she is in the yeah, second season. season. Two. Okay, yeah. But um in I don't know how they adjusted for season 2, but for season 1, like uh Nicole Kidman is um uh, an abused wife mm-hmm. and like in some of these scenes um they she does an interview talking about how like they never I think they they didn't really fully choreograph things well and she was Even being thrown talk, around. Like, and 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 she talked about it in this interview and she like, says how she would like go home and just like smash a window cuz she was so fucked up from it. And how she, many oh, go ahead. I hope she has a lot of windows. I mean, she probably has <laughs> yes. some nice windows. Yeah. Um it was just one French door. But she like, had another call, French door. But like, calling, yeah. calling your window guy at the middle of the night being like, ugh, Nicole broke another window again. <laughs> we have to go back to the Kidman house and yep. fix her French doors. <laughs> but like, she was saying it in this way of like, that it like, that kind of acting should be glorified. When really it's... Girl, no. Right. Baby girl, oh, don't... Gosh. I hate, I hate that craft over everything else. But is line. it even craft if you're not actually, if you're truly experiencing it versus like and it's real pretending it a very oh, it's real believable. no i don't yeah. want it to be real i want it to be <laughs> pretend to i want be... it to be very good pretend very good pretend yes that's what we do that is that is what we do i hope i hope we lean into that more and lean less into torturing torturing actresses yeah for christ's sake i mean what what Stephen King said about that character that did piss me off, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stephen, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no one's listening except my mom. It's fine. I'm listening. Oh, I'm right here. Oh, I see you. And he called her the most misogynistic character because all she does is um, scream and be stupid. Scream quote? and be He calls quote. her stupid? Cre- scream and be stupid. Yeah, I wanted to turn the page back to the quote I wrote down to make sure that I got it right. Because honestly, wow. Because wow. that's, let's, we <sighs> just watched it. Yeah. The evidence. Let's list the evidence of shit that she's done. Oh, gosh. I mean, first of all, Jack has no reason to be treating her like she's not literally putting on her good housewife drag right. every morning. Right. First we see her, she's got the milk and she's got her apron on and she looks... First of all, I love her costumes. Can we talk about Can her we... costume? Well, no, let's, we'll talk about them in a, like later, but just like, right. okay, yes. Yeah, she, she's, she's putting on her housewife drag 
every day. She is supporting the shit out of him, and he is giving her nothing. 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 She's raising their kid, indulging his... Protecting her kid. Protecting her kid, too. Who is going through some shit. And she's really cool with his, like, little man that lives in his finger. Yeah. Um, And honestly, the, the best thing a parent can do for a child who's exploring an overactive imagination, I'm Mm -hmm. sure you might have some experience there, uh, is to, you know, indulge them, but do it in a, in a, you know, keep, keep mothering. Yeah. You know, don't say. Validating their experience. Validating that experience and saying, well, what does Tony think about this whole situation? And the boy's like, Tony thinks it's fucked up and we shouldn't go. And she's like, (laughs) oh, gotta put this milk back in the fridge without (laughs) closing the carton. So many strange little things. You know, a lot of things made me gayer watching this movie, mm-hmm. but a lot of things made me anxious, too. What made you anxious? Well, the first thing that made me anxious was uh, was uh, credits that didn't stay still. In the opening credits, they never stay still. It immediately is that um, top, uh, bottom to top scrolling, scrolling credits. Your, 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 mind, your eyes are not staying in the same place mm. that's you know the credits are scrolling the camera is of course uh, lots of zooming movement. over the over the landscape the beautiful aerial shots of the landscape and immediately i'm like i don't know where to look and i'm scared you're already disoriented already, from the credits and, yeah and the music also the helps fucking with music that. it's literally just ratchets the music just ratchets up that tension yes. what okay so like what freaked me out the most about this movie is like we were talking about how like there isn't a lot of blood there mm-hmm. isn't a lot of gore not a ton it's no. just tension building and, and you can't wouldn't. get and and so what the music would do is that it would like swell in one scene but it was never like and then they'd pull back the curtain and nothing was there and the music would cut out it was more of like the tension would just build and build and build and build, and then it would just weirdly fade into no another release. scene. Yeah, no breaking. And it would the... keep. Yeah, and then also, also, it was doing. It wasn't doing what music normally does, where like when it would have those like flashes of like the little girls appearing mm. or the flashes of those little Pazuzu flashes, like Ooh. they did in The Exorcist. Yeah. Yes. Um. Like the music never acknowledged those flashes, so you didn't even see them None coming. None of it lined up. No. Oh. And it was but, just. And like, it didn't line up very deliberately. And like almost in a way that it didn't acknowledge it. And so you were wondering and you're like, you, you were just like, well, did, did I see that? <laughs> fucking with, uh, I, I just like, maybe just like fucking with your reality as maybe, well. Yeah. And because of the ways Kubrick fucked with our idea of how a movie should be filmed, how it should look. Mm-hmm. And it never lets up. Like this movie's an ordeal to get through. Yes. Yes. Like. You still have so many questions at the end. Of course. Nothing. But... It's the end of Lost, girl. You don't know. <laughs> what what church are they even in? Anyway. <laughs> can't can't go back there. But um we have to go back. The um, the, the movie just doesn't let yeah, up. No, I mean, like, even up. just from the very beginning, like, with those aerial shots, uh, like, you hear the, like, the low trombones, and mm. it sounds like, like oh, almost like a, really a funeral dirge, and then it just, like, awkwardly cuts, it's like, they're these, like, it, it awkwardly cuts to these, like, violins that aren't playing a melody, it's just like, like that, and then these, yes. like, weird trickly things yes. that feel like it's like when your body goes, like, tingly when your adrenaline kicks in. This, and then this movie decided to do everything in extreme opposition. Like the music mm-hmm. is nothing like the classical scores of yore. Yeah. Um, the the camera work is unlike anything that had been seen before. The steady cam really had just been invented, mm. um, and that's how they get those tracking shots. Yeah. Without you know a lot of uh, shaky cam, right? It, it meant it, it's how we follow Danny through the hotel on mm-hmm. his fucking big wheel. I, every we... time you see the big wheel, you're like, oh no, he's about to what's run happening? Um, but the man who invented the Steadicam, mm-hmm. Garrett Brown, was working on the movie. He was like, really? he brought his invention to work and was like, let's make some art, people. I hear and there's Kubrick, a bike in this movie. And Kubrick was like, sure, let me just go torture my actress real quick. <laughs> like, yeah. fuck him. But, but I mean, with those like long tracking shots, especially like in the hallways and in the, in the, um, the maze, the hedge maze, it's like that brings out, that brought out the claustrophobia. I mean, or like not hedge maze. Ooh. Can we talk about that hedge maze? Talk about the hedge maze. Okay. 
That did it make you gay or did it make you anxious? A little bit of both, because I love a maze. <laughs> and I love a little adventure. Amazing. A little shrubbery adventure. Mm-hmm. I'm a slut for shrubbery. <laughs> I really am. I love it. And especially, like, you know, manicured shrubs. Oh, yes. Uh, who doesn't love a manicured shrub? But here's the thing. Like, when we see that map, as they walk in, you see this map, and it, it's like, here's the map. Here's the hedge maze. Right. And then you see them from above, and it's a fucking different Different maze it's completely different here's the thing also is that it's like it's that 3d model of it that jack is looking looking over it and it's like is he hallucinating seeing them in there and like just so disorienting like what is the truth like you see three different head mazes and you never know which one is the correct one right it's so disorienting and it just goes right in with like what they talk about uh, uh, the the map of the actual hotel in two, th- that documentary. In 237, yeah, yeah. That, you know, they did film exterior and interior shots in different locations. Um, and, and it was intentional that they didn't want it to line up, right? I think so, yeah. I think, I mean, somebody really, like, somebody really had the time to map this I out. I also didn't agree with what they were saying. But, but like, with some of the stuff, I was like... On room 237? Yeah, oh, some but, of it's a reach. Yeah. It's a reach. So many reaches. But... Uh, that guy what did have did have a point how the outside of the hotel and the inside really don't match up. So I noticed that when I first watched it and um, before like I saw the documentary and I just because uh, I was like the hedge maze wasn't even out front and mm. now it's out and now it looks like it's out front. This must be behind it is how I rationalized it in my head. But that it's we... out in the front of the hotel, isn't it? Is that the front? Door? Well, if you like look at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, like when they finally get to it and they show the first thing, there is no hedge maze in front of it. Ooh, girl, the the movie the, the movie started six and a half hours ago. Like, I know. that is a long movie. It's yeah, you know it. Some movies have to earn their length mm-hmm. these days, and I can't really say if. It, I mean, this is a beautiful movie, but I I honestly can't say if it does earn that extra 90 minutes that it takes to get there. Yep. Can I say how they could have shaved off easily 30 minutes? You know what? Let's write to the Kubrick estate and yell at them right now. Right. Stop torturing Shelley Duvall and learn how to say cut, girl. But also, but also, can they pick up their cues? (laughs) Have you noticed how, like, one person will say a line? And then the other person will say a line. I mean, from... But they take so many pauses. From the jump, and it might have been... Some, it might have, you know, again, nothing was inadvertent in this movie. Everything was a choice. Yeah. Some of it was a choice, (laughs) but everything was a choice. Right. And yeah, you get that from the jump with the the interview. That's also what made me anxious from the jump is a job interview, girl. (sighs) No one wants to see that. No one wants to experience. We're diving right into that. Job interviews. Starting with the audition, really? But also, the interview, he had it right from the beginning. Yes, and that's... That was really, like, orientation. Honestly, that's a big difference from what I remember from the book. The first line Mm. of the book is Jack thinking about how much of an officious little prick Ullman, the man interviewing him, is. He does not like Ullman. He, He, his internal monologue the entire time is, this guy is kind of a prick mm-hmm. but no this guy is a prick yeah. and Ullman says says I I see that you don't like me oh he immediately clocks him and That's is like very is like you're not as as you know mm-hmm. sneaky as you think you are I can tell you hate me and I don't care because this is my hotel and I'm trying to run a business here and I'm like okay queen like yeah. I think own your not, brand not to uh not to queer things that weren't meant to be queer but also to totally do that because I can take whatever I want from straight people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They have everything else. Yeah. Um, I think they queer coded Allman in this movie. They put him in that high, very high hair. Mm hmm. You know, nice little poof. He was rocking that that, leather jacket. Put him in that leather jacket. um, Made him a very, you know, uh, just kind of a. And in the book, I think it's also very. He's very um, meticulous and detail oriented, and Mm -hmm. he just wants to. His. His um, hotel to be pristine and beautiful. He just and wants the he work just done. Wants, yeah, he just wants everything to work out. And he's like, uh, I don't want to hire you. You're a former alcoholic and mm. I don't think you're real good for this job. But that did not exist in the movie. It seemed like he immediately had the job from and, but also, like, jump. 
yeah, from like so there was really like nothing there were there was really no wanting mm-hmm. of like what does this character want other than like some solitude to write. And he had like what six months to do that shit. But I mean, it's like he 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 was already a dislikable character, yeah. and he didn't have to fight for the job. So when he's like, "I gotta keep this job," you're kind of like, "Do you though?" I mean, who's gonna take it away from you? Yeah, you're like, it was just handed to like, you. Yeah, so, like most things for mediocre white. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of like you know white caucasity, we should definitely talk about. Um, Halloran, yes, an amazing character who survives. Spoiler alert: survives in the book, mm-hmm. but is killed very unceremoniously in the movie. Um, I think that Halloran's character is is well. Halloran is honestly the smartest person in this movie. He's Hands the most down, familiar with the hotel. He knows everything about the hotel, and he also um, also has. Psychic powers, like, and, and he explains that element not only to us but to the little but to, uh, Danny to Danny as well. It, there are those who have pointed out a predatory uh, nature to the way he talks to Danny at first, even around his mother. How he like om nom 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 noms him and mm-hmm. like does weird things, but also is just like a grandpa talking to a little boy. But he also recognizes something about this child that he went through Mm -hmm. he recognizes that this boy has a gift and and in a very protective way tells him about his gift Mm -hmm. and i think that is very queer coded to me as Mm. you know the way older generations of queer people um and younger generations of queer people interact unfortunately the trope of the predatory older man and young boy is so ingrained in us and is so set up that it makes us uncomfortable at first right and the music is also i was gonna say it's like the music kind of provides it's almost like it i mean it's like there's something eerie but there's something eerie about the whole fucking place and so it's like the music represents a question mark about Mm -hmm. how does he know his name is doc yeah how How does does he he say do you want some ice cream doc so there's like it's almost like maybe people getting that element of being a predator is really just the question mark that once it's answered they don't they don't realize that he's just protective yeah and as soon as the music cuts off he becomes very uh it becomes very uh, beautiful how he tells him about his gift and says this is a he calls it the shining it's a big beauty he, li- he gives it a light yeah it's not a darkness it's a light yeah. that is that is that makes him different but special different but capable different but more powerful than he realizes mm-hmm. and i think that's a beautiful thing to teach uh young queer people that they have so much to to shine they have so much oh, to give the world that. and that's why i read it that way yeah i think also just like different but like also there's a community there's other people out there yes he's like i recognize the weirdness in me recognizes the weirdness in you <laughs> now yeah but it's never it's never presented as a negative it's presented as this might make your life harder mm-hmm. and that sucks but it's not because you're wrong it's because people won't understand you yeah and i think not even also... your parents and that's all too true for way too many queer people Mm -hmm. um yeah i think also like the way that he when he talks about like well like are you scared of this hotel and talking about just like the the feelings that um danny is getting from the hotel and he like he kind of like simplifies it and says it's just like pictures in a storybook and even like danny uses that to calm himself down when he runs into the twins mm -hmm. so it's just like almost like giving him an instruction manual or just like a mantra to say when it does get overwhelming of just like no you're okay and you're safe yeah unless you go into room two three seven go into that room girl I mean, and if at the end of the day, uh, Danny is dressed in that scene with his hair and his little tracksuit, he looks like pretty much every lesbian gym teacher I've ever had. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. Right. He's got some I good, sta- like, collar I, sta- I stand a queen, I mean. Yeah. Um, he, the, the, the actor was apparently chosen, uh, the actor who plays Danny. Yeah was chosen because he could concentrate for very long periods of time. That's important. Which he had to do when he was, you know, speaking to his finger, uh, to his finger friend, (laughs) or just staring in the mirror, or literally just drooling and, like, seizuring. 
red all rum over and just like yeah. running around doing that. Yeah. There's also uh, it says that he was not aware that he was filming a horror movie, but he had to like carry a knife and write and like write the word and murder, murder backwards. backwards. I'm like, <laughs> okay, he's six, but he can't be that. Right. He can't be that clueless. Can he? Was it was he six or ten? Who cares? He was young. Um, I think he had to be closer to six. A ten-year-old would get the fuck out of there. Ten-year-olds have cell phones now. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. At one point you were watching and you're like, they don't even have (laughs) Wi-Fi. Well, I was just thinking, like, when they went into the hedge and you, or the hedge maze. That's what people did in those days when they didn't have computers they just went and got lost in places right for fun, for fun. but like when, when <laughs> which, somebody like said like would you commit to staying in this hotel for six months i'm like i mean i guess and then like i thought oh shit you don't even have wi-fi <laughs> how many you know how many card games can you play in? right and you also you know you, you they never let you know really what time it is. Nope. Again, you don't know what time of day often. Can I mean, we talk about how also, like, this happened mostly in November. Because uh-huh. they say, like, one month later and then they start counting yeah. down some days. So okay. I think most of this happened in November. They didn't even so make they it. They didn't make it so Halfway to, through. Oh, so bad. But, I mean, when, when, when Halloran calls the man for his snow cat and he's just like, let me tell you, these unreliable assholes. Right. Um, he knows how, he knows how to play the game. I mean, he knows how to, uh, chuckle and disarm the people who try to, who, who ask him, um, third degree questions. Like when Wendy's like, how did you know my child's nickname? And he's like, oh, oh, you must have said it or something. Right. He knows how to butter people up and disarm them. And I think that as a person of color who like, has to answer to all of these incompetent white people when it's fully apparent that he's the most competent of anyone on screen Mm -hmm. he's had to you know and he's and he's also older he's really had to learn how to survive in that way yeah and thrive too you know he he just plays that game really well and i just wish that he had more to show in the movie for it. Yeah. He's got more to show in the book for it. I'll have to read it. Yeah. yeah I, I just think that... There's a lot of meticulous navigation there, that he does yeah. in his conversations. Maybe that's why King thought it was cold. <laughs> but honestly, there's nothing cold about uh, Scatman Crothers. Scatman? Scatman. Scatman Crothers. Um, the actor who plays Halloran because he's uh, he was a prolific musician and 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 uh a guitar player like mm-hmm. he showed up on uh Sanford and Son twice and sang a song with Red Fox and oh, shit. um he provided the voice of Hong Kong Fooey and from that cartoon and he, he's a very jovial and and wonderful actor you can also see him in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest mm-hmm. with, with Jack Nicholson as well. Mm-hmm. And his eyebrows. Jack Nicholson's eyebrows. Jack Nicholson's <laughs> eyebrows and Scatman's just this fucking dude. <laughs> I mean, like, I think Ruining that my life. I loved I loved his acting when he was like first talking to um, Danny, like over ice cream when Danny's like uh, are you scared of the hotel? And he's like, no, I'm not scared of the hotel. Mm. That meticulous navigation. But then it's like, well, are you scared of 237? And then his face, where he, like, doesn't want to give it away. He it doesn't. Just, he a wants lot to of... protect him. Yeah, it's like, I it's, think that's the first time you see him unsure. It's almost difficult to watch when he's like, I can't protect you, can I? Which mm. is a very difficult thing to realize. He's like, you just realize. stay away from there. Oof. Yeah, it's also, people are do get confused by some of the decisions that Halloran makes when he comes back or when he doesn't immediately tell Danny, you know, get out of here. Yeah. Like. Suddenly they can't communicate now that he's on his way, but they could have communicated when he was in Miami. Right. I don't. And and there are are questionable things that Wendy does even. And I can always just be like, well, the hotel disorients even Mm -hmm. the strongest people and try and you know just fucks with their minds until they don't know which way is up like after she knocks out her husband she takes a nap right and when she hears that danny was strangled 
nearly by a dead woman ghost lady, she leaves him right. to go find right. the only other person in the hotel. Right. Why does she do that? I think you made a really good point, though, that maybe, like, Danny, the actor, just wasn't available. available that they day. only had him for six days, and they're like, oh, shit, we had to film it. Shelly just run into the room. And said um, that he's asleep eating yeah, graham he's, crackers he's, or something. He's got his graham crackers. He's fine. He got his truck tri- tri- and is watching Hong Kong Fooey. Yep. Um, but also, people, people point to when she's running around either with the knife or with the bat. She runs awkwardly. She's fluttery. And I'm like... The bitch is disoriented. Like, I would not know which way is up either. I mean, imagine, I don't know about you, but like when I get that adrenaline rush and I'm doing that fight or flight shit, I can't feel my body. I don't care what my arms are doing as long <laughs> as they're stabbing the person that's coming after me. Right. And and also when she's holding <laughs> when she's holding that bat. It's just I, in the middle. I, it's just in the middle. And and you just want to be like, lower your hands just a little bit and just Baby girl, it'll work out so much hit a better. Home run. It is that, lower when she does eventually run. hit him. What I do like about that scene, and people are like, why didn't she just hit him right away? I love that she waited until he was at the top of the stairs yeah, before like, go- she whacked. Because she's like, okay, bitch, you're falling down an entire flight of stairs. She's I like, do not want you to get back up. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to let gravity help me on this. Yes. You know, I. she did some smart things. I mean, yeah. she immediately locks him in a freezer, and mm-hmm. of course she is terrified that the man that she loves has gone so cray-cray, but she is not about to let her child suffer. I think that, like, what's... I think, like, this is probably, like, the smartest thing that she does in this movie. So this is when I, like, completely disagree with, like, what King says. is just, like, she, she doesn't want her husband to die. She locks him... Not in, like, the freezer where he's going to freeze to death. She locks him really, like, in the pantry where, where the dry good is yeah. so he can eat <laughs> while she goes out to, like, get I help I don't know if her. I would have done that. Right? I would have been, like, To sorry, think about, like, oh, this is the sorry, place where but... I can keep you locked and safe away from me, but you can still eat and survive. Yeah, you so I can the name take of the, the house kid of Torrance. Out. Yeah, and then she says, I'll come back for a doctor for you in a second. She's like, yeah. you wait, th- like, you're in time out. I'm going to get this other one. And just, like. Another thing. Thing that I just I don't think uh, people want to grasp is how much of uh, how good abusers are yeah. at isolating the people that they abuse. Yeah. They 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 take away their resources. She didn't have money. She didn't have anything to. She didn't have a job. You know the the way the patriarchy allows abusers to thrive is by making sure that the patriarch has all the all the transport and the money and the the connections and the work yeah um and the wife is supposed to raise the kid and and just and just be cool with living in a giant hotel for five months and she's so cool with it for so long so long and i mean she's not cool like she's putting on that good housewife drag but like she's always Smoking that pack a day, like, right. I can't fucking believe. Well, the thing is, is, like, with, with what, what abusers do is that they, so they, they isolate you, like, so gradually that you don't notice that it's happening, and then they amp up the abuse, and, and you don't you notice. And tell you that it's your fault, and that's why they make the abused cry. Right, and it's like when you're... Like it's their fault. Right, when you're isolated, you don't have another, like, somebody else's reality to compare your reality to. Mm -hmm. What your reality is is 100% true and fact and normal. And so the fact that, like, when he um, is, like, sleeping until lunchtime and she's like, don't wake him up, he's tired, he's working. Oh my god, every every time she sees him, he's like, don't come into this room. I'm like, there are only so many goddamn rooms in this hotel. You picked the biggest room! Like, you picked the biggest room. It's a... Bitch, space is free. Come on. Like, look at all the natural light in here. You don't want me to get my vitamin D? Shoot. Like, how many rooms are you going to kick this woman out of? <laughs> you dick. And, <laughs> I mean, uh, everything that he does to her is just a giant red flag, but he's also so adept at making, at turning everything back on her. Like, when Danny comes to comes to his father and says, you're acting really weird. Are you going to kill us? He's like, what's your mom telling you? It's like, bitch, you're broadcasting this. Like, it's not Then also, like, trying to get, trying to turn the son against her. Yes. Trying to isolate family members from each other to keep them from being able to uh, 
band together to yeah. to face and it's and there are of course in any haunting or especially haunted house movies mm-hmm. the when the haunted when the haunted location in this case the overlook hotel mm-hmm. um manages to get inside the brain of the patriarch uh there become there these two abusers the house and the patriarch are now helping each other yeah um fuck with yeah the matriarch the the the, the wife and child yeah. in a way that is honestly more uh nail biting to watch than any of the spooky scenes because right. it's so real and it's so um it's just so uncomfortable and you know like i think that the thing that is really kind of like alarming is that there are so many true crimes true murders that have happened that are very similar to just the the husband either losing a job or getting hit on the head on the farm and then suddenly just like one day they decide to take out their entire family and because they failed and they think that their failure means and they couldn't like I well I know that like um like some some murderers. I'm not is more saying like, that being injured is a failure on your part. Of right, course, right, right, like, right, right. Being disabled it, is not a failure. That it just it uh I know that one murder that I'm thinking of um it like happened like during that the one turn murder? of that one murder mm-hmm. um it happened during the turn of the century. Can I tell you names? No, I cannot. Damn. But um it was like some dude who was like very very controlling of his family and like uh they were very poor and they lived in a very meticulous way um and he got hit on the head on the farm and like uh just like was prone to farms these are dangerous farms are dangerous so are hotels, apparently. Um, respect to farmers um but like uh he he brutally murdered all of his family but then here's the twisted part and i saw this like um i saw this paralleled to uh the first family that they say was murdered at the hotel like mm-hmm. 10 years before where it's like they they kill they brutally murder their family and but they still like will do something ceremonious with the bodies mm. so like the way that like after this guy murdered his family um he like crossed their arms and rested their heads on top of rocks in some sort of like in in their twisted brain of respect for their for their family's body and mm. so in when they talked about grody grady grady grody Gro- grady is grody, grady um but like he said that he like lined his family's bodies up or stacked and, them on top of each yeah, other yeah but like, like neatly wait, in a they're not newspaper right uh oh no um and so but you didn't just, slice them that thin come on but it's just like wild that like even if you took the ghosts and like the 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 creepiness of the house, the power of the house, mm-hmm. uh, or the hotel out mm-hmm. of it, like this could still be a thriller. Yeah, it could just be about a man getting crazier and crazier, as King says. Not a man who starts out fine, but then society makes him crazy. Mm-hmm. If we wanted to see that, I mean, that's in theaters right now, starring Joaquin Phoenix, I think. <laughs> um, also, when they uh... oh. Um, the relationship between Grady and Jack is is strangely sexual because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's another moment that really just screamed "Ooh, gay" to me. Um, uh-huh. uh, they meet in a public. They meet in a restroom. Uh-huh. I mean, they start in this like ghostly shindig party f- from the twenties with the flapper girls, and mm-hmm. everyone's just doing. Doing lots of... They're doing mor- the Charleston. Doing the Charleston and, and doing the morphine dance. <laughs> and he goes into this bathroom and it's immediately a much more contemporary location. Yeah. It does not look like it's from the 20s. New. And in the 80s, public restrooms were being coded as this place where gay men would go to cruise one another. And as soon as Grady drops all that mimosa on Jack... And takes him into the bathroom. He's like very heavily petting his uh, thigh and his groin while ostensibly trying to clean up a, a spilled brunch beverage. But Jack is also making this weird like ball tickling motion, which with I his think hands. like eventually shows that he's like counting is the years. In... When... Oh yeah, he's counting the like, years. Like that's what I think is supposed to he's be happening. The years but since nobody he's had his balls counts like tickled. tickling your balls. <laughs> How many years has it been since my last ball tickled? Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's it, Grady becomes a master manipulator in this yes. situation with Jack. It's one of the only times where I feel like 
you know, any modicum of sympathy for, uh, for Jack. You know, he does all these things that just make you dislike him. His weird line about the white man's burden that comes out of nowhere. And that's another thing. They think that it's, that because the hotel is, is built on a Native American burial ground. Right. That that might have something to do with it. Yeah. It's been read that way, but it, it, this is... All indigenous land. Everything's built on an Indian burial ground. Like everything yeah. is indigenous land. You're, we're all cursed. If that's the case, I mean, yeah, we we all done fucked up. I like, and it's like, if it was, I can see the reason, like the reasoning behind somebody believing that theory. But the fact that the hotel is like almost supporting Jack mm-hmm. in killing his family. Yeah, it's not a. Um, if the curse is on, you know, like the the white man for for colonialism which sure why, why shouldn't it be um it still is a very it still does whatever it can to empower this white man to destroy himself mm-hmm. and then maybe that's the plan but maybe it's not i i honestly you know, there's so many levels to that interpretation. Yeah. And if you want to dig into it more, <laughs> dig. Um, I mean, there's there's always Pet Cemetery. Stephen King really loves that whole Native American burial ground okay, uh, yeah. theory. It's in a lot of his books. But uh, uh, but back to the two white men in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, being weird, he, Grady is saying things like he you, he corrected his, his family, family like they were wrong and mm-hmm. i corrected them and it's weird that they're acting all gay in a bathroom together while he's saying this but is also setting himself up as we are the dominant ones and we must assert our dominance and correct um, now would you like a quick else. hand job <laughs> yes just a real quick one yes very 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 nice robin tug in the in the urinal here um and also the strikingly casual use of uh uh, the racial slurs in that scene Ooh! by both men is, Ooh! you know, clearly there for a, uh, clearly there to separate, you know, the the good from bad. You know, you're you're supposed to be like, ah, yes, these men are evil because they use bad language when talking about black people. Yes, and that does read, of course, because whenever you know, that hard R uh, comes out in, in conversation, especially between two white men mm-hmm. in a random bathroom, uh, you, you just feel so, what's the word I'm looking for? Because again, we're, we're two white people talking about this right. movie, so I, I'm not saying that I understand what it's like to hear that from the perspective of, of a person of color watching this film. But, but it, pondering that... Pondering that choice, Concept, you know, yeah. you can ponder that choice for hours and it's just like, why, why is that in there? Was it necessary? Like we can, we can take, we can take away the racial dynamics between Halloran, the cook and Jack, the caretaker. While even though they're both at service level jobs, Jack is treated as much more, um, He's respected way more than Halloran is, despite the fact that, you know, this is Halloran's home turf. Well, do you, how, what makes you think that Halloran isn't as respected by his staff? Because I, I feel like we only see him interact with um, um, his boss that yeah. one time of just saying, hey, we're just going to like take the wife from the kitchen, we'll bring her right back, and then I guess he is left just to watch he's over like, the kid. Yeah, he's like, you got to stay here in the kitchen. It's it's coded, but, you know, it, it becomes all but explicit. It becomes completely explicit in the conversation between Grady and, and Jack that there is this us and them racial dynamic that's also being explored for some reason yeah it's another one of those choices yes that yes exists but is never going to quite um read the same way to any group of people Mm -hmm. it's a it's a a weird choice this is this is definitely one of the movies where things are can be so abstract that like 
you can everybody's going to take what they exactly want to see um in it and you can just keep watching it at different points in your life and you can see very different things i'm sure and you're supposed to like i don't know are we ever supposed to feel sympathy for jack like were we supposed to feel sympathy for him until until he started using slurs and 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 not shaving i I don't know what what the signifiers of he's not well anymore right I mean, I think that, like, the only time that I really felt sympathy for Jack is um, when he woke up from his nightmare and realizing that he killed his family. And, and like, that actually was, like, affected the him. worst thing. And, like, it, he didn't, because even when he was trying, like, even when he was in the pantry and he was, like, trying to, trying the new tactic of getting Wendy to let him out by saying, Wendy, I've been hurt really bad. But, like, even in that inflection, you could still tell that he was lying. But when he woke up from the nightmare, it it felt fully genuine that he was scared of it. Mm-hmm. So. And then he says it again and he's so gleeful about it in that scene. Yeah. That very, the, the very, very next day. Right. Well, that very famous scene where uh, Wendy comes up to the typewriter. She Ugh. hasn't seen what, what this big opus of a novel he's working on is. She looks at it and she sees, of course, sorry for spoiling the big reveal. We've spoiled so much. So much. I know. Um, that it's just all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. And not only that, but there are like a lot of typos. So he's not even good at typing. Right. Well, <laughs> it's like all the work. manicness the of man- it. Yeah, it's probably the, like the, 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 the insanity of his condition yeah. is just, you know, typos be damned. That's what the, the editing, that's what the editor is for. Right. I think what is so scary though, is that there's like different formats where it's like, it looks <laughs> like he's even writing dialogue and then stage directions. He's got the and stage I'm like, directions. In his brain, does he think that he's actually writing oh this amazing God. script? What if, he, what if it's an writing... amazing story and we just never know about it because all we can read is all white and no play my Jack of Dullbog. <laughs> like what if the typos are actually a code? And like the Batman symbols in there, like shit. Uh, well, you know, we've discussed a lot of, we've jumped around a bit, but yes. I kind of enjoyed that. Yes. Because <laughs> this movie jumps around a bit. We don't know what fucking Ooh. day it is. What day is it now? Who I knows? don't even know. There's no sun out. It's sad. Um, but did you gag on this film? Oh, brought it back. <laughs> uh, it, what I mean by that is, 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 did this film get caught in your throat? Or were you more of a... Ooh, watching it. I would say it definitely... Like, a, is it a good gag or a bad gag? I would say it did get caught in my throat. Mm. And I I would say for me, maybe not for everybody, but it was a good gag for me in mm-hmm. the sense that we, we just talked about... How, how long have we talked about this? For almost... For an hour. The length of the movie. Uh, right. The length of one quarter of the movie. Right. Jesus Christ, it's a long movie. But we have so many questions that we could talk about at length. And so I think And so that... many people have. Like, this is one of those movies that is has been discussed at length. I don't know if we've said anything new. It's, it's good new for to us. us. And yeah. that I enjoy. But yeah. I also want to ask, would you gag on this movie again? I probably would. Mm. Maybe I'd, like, wait a little while. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, next year yeah. I'd watch it again and or see. Or you can wait another decade. I mean, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it has been a decade since it's I've seen not, it. It's not, you know, it's not, it's quite dated by now, I mean. Yeah. Ooh, what What do you think it's going to mean in, like, another ten years? I mean, probably the same shit it means now. <laughs> it's not changing. <laughs> I mean, it's all patriarchy and white oppression, colonialism. But do you think, like, a straight white man... Who directed this movie? Like was really, really thinking had that about in that stuff. You, my default answer is always no to that. Right. But it's so much more interesting when you. But put as it far as straight white monster ge- like monsters slash geniuses, <laughs> I, I hate that people don't think it can be both. Like, sure, he could have been a genius filmmaker, but fuck him for what he yeah. did to unwitting people for the sake of art and. And I would gag on this movie again simply because it's a beautiful movie and I will always want to see beautiful performances by Shelley Duvall and Scatman Crothers and the beautiful aerial shots. But there will always be these parts of it that really weren't, they weren't okay when they came out. And that was the point. Mm-hmm. And with time, those parts of the movie that are uncomfortable have only gotten even more uh coded and more yeah more uncomfortable yeah 
which can be a good thing or a bad thing when you're discussing a work of horror. Mm -hmm. Um, Even a work of horror that is named after a beam of light. So on that note, I would like to say that if you do have The Shining, I love you and you're special and you deserve to shine and glow and be as bright as the sun. Shining the power, not having like if you own the movie on DVD. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Who has a DVD anymore? Um, So I'd like to thank you for talking to me about this movie. There's so much to talk about. Thank you for letting me be your guinea pig. Of course. Yeah, this could have turned out... I'm going to listen to this later and be like, Oh, we shouldn't have said that. Oh, we shouldn't have said that. Oh, I can't Edit it down to a five-minute podcast. It's going to be a five-minute podcast. And it's going to just end with me asking you, Do you have anything you want to talk about like are you doing anything that you want the people listening to know any shows any short films no nothing at the moment it's been kind of nice i'm on I got, i'm calling it i'm on a sabbatical, a sabbatical. so i don't feel Wonderful. bad about myself working on me working on myself yeah making a podcast that's the project <laughs> me is the project. i'm the project girl yes coming soon oh. to a friendship near you oh <laughs> well thank you Thank so, you. so much. And I hope that when people listen to this, they'll be like, I hate Josh, but love his guest. Great. <laughs> you really hope people say I hate no, him? No, I don't. Great. I, I desperately want to be liked. I need I need that validation okay. every single second of my life. It's, a, it's I rough. like you. That's oh, why I'm Oh my here. God, thank you. Stop. I also can't take compliments. Okay. You've just <laughs> I need retreated val- into I your I need shirt. validation, but... Can't take Immediately it. discrediting. How dare it. you? Yep. Yeah, how dare you compliment me? I'm <laughs> trash. <laughs> um, but I like that I'm trash. I love these movies, even the higher art ones, like this piece of crap that we just watched. Right. Um, and then, but pieces. I also love, I also love the pieces of trash that that truly, truly bring me delight, even when I'm discussing those. Um, so I do hope to continue talking scary movies and i hope you'll be back to chat about a new one sure and i can't wait to listen to the other episodes excellent well thank you so much and i will just say goodbye now bye Bye. now